Some big changes are coming for Boston College recruiting. You're going to want to hear why this is big for the Eagles heading into the 2023 recruiting class. And some basketball news that you're not going to want to miss. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black. I am the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. If you had not checked out yesterday's episode, first of all, please go back and listen to that episode after you check out today's. We had Christian Mahogany, Boston College offensive lineman, potential All-American on, who talk, told some great stories about Coach Googs, uh, the offensive line room, and all sorts of other great things you're going to want to know about him. If you have not checked it out already, you're going to want to make sure to listen to that. But we're here to talk a little bit about recruiting. And now we usually have our recruiting Wednesdays, but we're going to make this recruiting Tuesdays this week. And we're going to have to change up the, the theme days again because John Garcia is going to join us for Thursday's episode to talk about BC recruiting. So there's a lot of recruiting news that we're going to get into. The first would not seem like that big of a deal unless you understood how college football uh, recruiting really works. So on Monday, all the BC coaches started tweeting out like all at the same time about all of these different events that they're going to have at Boston College. These include the one-day showcase on June 5th and June 12th, the 7-on-7 showcase on June 23rd, the big man showcase on June 23rd, and the specialist showcase on June 4th. Now, these many of these are considered the camps, but what really stuck out to me is the 7-on-7 showcase, which has been something in the past that has really been beneficial for Boston College football. Now, just think of it this way, right? This is a chance to get a whole group of recruits from an area on campus to play together. And you could say, oh, this is great. You got to play with so-and-so. Um, now think of like Azar Abdul-Rahim. This is a guy that has infinite connections in the DMV area, D District uh, District of District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. Now he gets the opportunity to bring up a, set, a couple group teams of seven on seven. That could be an excellent opportunity to really kind of coach up these kids and, and show them what they could get if they come to BC. Now, why is this big? Because Boston College hasn't had this in since Jeff Halfley has been on campus. Remember, in 2020, when Jeff Halfley took over, COVID shut everything down. Last year, they were still in some sort uh, some COVID restrictions, so they couldn't hold camps. They had no camps on campus last year. They had events in June. They had uh, the barbecue, but that's different. That's like a it's just a recruiting event. These are kind of a way for the coaches to evaluate players, for them to see them live, to get to see how they are, react to coaching, all sorts of stuff like that. So this is a big time opportunity for BC. Um, and, I, you know, this is going to be a chance for them to find some of those elite players that are kind of diamonds in the rough. Instead of just watching them on huddle films, you're going to get a, they're going to get a chance to see them up close and personal. So you look at these events, June is going to be huge for Boston College football recruiting. I mean, they have five dates, five weekend dates that are going to really help shape what this class of 2023 is going to look like. It's been really quiet. And losing Jordan Mayer uh, to decommitment last week made it even quieter because BC's sitting at six. If they're going to go for their usual around 25, that means they're going to have to get 19 commitments 
between now and probably the beginning of August. That's usually when Halfley and, and most Boston College coaches kind of sh- slow down their recruiting. They might get like 17, right, and then go for a couple near the end. But you, they usually try to get their their recruiting wrapped up by uh, the summer camps, uh, summer summer camp for, for for the football team. So. This is big. This is going to be a change in direction for Boston College recruiting. This is going to give BC a chance to really kind of take that next step. And again, I've said this. I said this last year when kids were actually able to step on campus, and that was a big deal because then they got to meet Jeff Halfley. I think seeing him, you know, coach, run these drills, do all these types of things, will be a big thing for these kids because they're going to get a chance to really see what Halfley can offer and why Boston College is special and why they should be heading to Chestnut Hill. So I thought that was an interesting little nugget that uh, really kind of changes how BC recruiting should be heading off. Now, I didn't get a chance to really dive into the Jordan Mayer decommitment yesterday because of the the, um, Christian Mahogany interview. So I want to get into that now. So Boston College defensive end uh, commit Jordan Mayer from Pennsylvania decommitted from Boston College on Friday. I talked to Jordan on Twitter. He said, you know, I just kind of rushed into it. Um, You know, I think he wanted to do some extra visits. And the way college football works, once you're committed, a lot of coaches don't want you to do your official visits. They want you to be locked into their program. And so you see this a lot. This is not a Boston College thing. This is a, a, a NCAA, like a lot of teams do this type of deal where if a player's like, yeah, but I want to do this, and then the coach is like, no, you really can't, or we're not going to honor your commitment, then they're like, okay, fine, I'll decommit. Well, you saw the reason why on Friday, uh, why Jordan Mayer probably wanted to, because he got an offer from Wisconsin. And he's already been on, I think it was Rivals.com had him saying, you know, this is the dream. No, how I, any other school is going to beat Wisconsin is going to be hard to, to gauge, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So it looks like Mayer was just doing what any player is going to do. Now, don't hate on Jordan Mayer for this because I saw some people saying like, you know, ripping him, calling him immature. This is the game that all recruits play. This is the game coaches play too. Remember there's coaches that do remove um, commitments and, 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 you know, verbals when a player doesn't fit what they want. This isn't a one way street here. So though Jordan Mayer seems like a bad guy because he's backed off a BC commitment, He's doing what's best for him. And just like I say for the transfer portal, I I feel very strongly about players' advocacy and what they can do. I'm not a huge fan of what, like, Jarris Hamilton's doing where he's on four schools in four years. But if, like, Jordan Mayer isn't in school yet, it's still eight months before he has to sign, why can't he decommit? I feel like this is fine. So he seems like he has no ill will. I doubt he'll end up at Boston College. His, his recruitment's blowing up. He's got, you know, a ton of big offers right now. I think I th- saw just Michigan State offered him. Uh, but he's got a bunch of offers. So this is this is a stinger because he was a, a very interesting player. I mean, as we said with John Garcia last week, he plays violently. He's He would have been a good fit for BC. But, you know, there's other fish in the pond, and one fish to watch for is Deshaun Womack, a four-star defensive lineman from St. Francis Academy who put Boston College in their top ten. Um, as we said yesterday. So there's a couple guys out there that could still fill that slot. So don't get yourself too beat up on that. And as one little, like, again, tangent, I'm going on a couple tangents today and I apologize, but don't, one thing you do not want to do, and I hate when people do this, is don't tweet at the kids. 
don't say something to Jordan Mayer. Don't like beg him to come back. Don't call him names. And most of you guys don't do that, but I see other teams do it. I've seen a couple of our fans do it. It's not a good look. Just let the kids make their choices and move on. And we'll move on. BC will move on. You'll get some different, you'll get some guys that you're going to like. I, I mean, defensive line is one of the positions I think BC is like hitting the home run with this year. So we'll see who the next person is to step up and take that slot. Now, in a moment, a reader asked a question last week, and I didn't get to a chance to answer it in our mailbag, but I get into it now uh, in our next segment about how players in the transfer portal for BC basketball did this uh, uh, previous season. You want to hear uh, some updates on those players in just a moment. Now, our first partner is Athletic Greens. You know, I use this product literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I started to have, like, really, like, I just felt bloated. My gut wasn't feeling great. So I wanted to have better gut health with more energy, and it was great. Now, I've been using AG1 for about three months, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It's kind of a mild tropical flavor that I actually look forward to each morning. It's delicious. It's actually really good. So... Why do I do this? With taking AG1, I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that help me start my day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of these things all in one little scoop. You got to check this out because some of you take multivitamins, and it, but it's important to take one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. One thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself, and it costs less than $3 a cup, uh, $3 a day, excuse me. It's cheaper than your cold brew coffee habit, and you're investing in all-in-one nutritional insurance, which make sure to check it out because they've had 7,000 five-star reviews. Now, you're not going to beat that. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now for a big announcement. For the first time ever, Locked On is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts and draft gurus. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts on Thursday, April 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, available on Locked On NFL on YouTube and on the Odyssey app. So, Locked on Boston College, AJ Black here. This is draft week, and again, we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage on the draft coming up as we get closer to the end of the week. We'll have Mitch Wolf back on to talk about uh, some of the draft rumors that we have here. We'll also talk um, when Zion Johnson gets drafted. And then next week, we'll get into the aftermath. Where did Alec Lindstrom get drafted? Because he won't get drafted until we record for Monday's episode. And all the undrafted free agents who signed with NFL teams on Sunday. You're going to want to check those out as well. So one of the biggest news items over the last two years has been the transfer portal. Thousands of players have entered the transfer portal, and a news report came out today that only 54% of players that enter the transfer portal have found new homes, which I thought was a really staggering number. And there's a lot of push now that a lot of these kids are getting bad advice and that... Some of them are not getting their degrees, and it's heartbreaking for programs, coaches, mentors, all these guys to see these kids trying to make their best decision, and it ends up biting them in the butt. But there was a bunch of BC basketball players last year that did not see it bite them in the butt and were able to get 
new roles on different teams. And one of our readers wanted me to kind of recap where what these players did in their new homes. I figured I'd take a spin with it, tell you a little bit about each one and how they did. First up, Jay Heath, who transferred to Arizona State at the end of last season. Now, of any of the players that left, he he was one of the ones that stung a little bit the most. You know, a good offensive scorer, gave BC a little bit of a pop from outside. Well, he transferred to Arizona State and was the second leading scorer on the team, averaging 28.4 minutes per game and scoring 10.6 points per game while shooting 43% beyond the three-point line, the best mark on the Sun Devils roster. Now, the big news about him is he's back in the transfer portal again. On Monday, Jay Heath announced that he's going back in the transfer portal. So just as I kind of joked about Jarius Hamilton in that last segment, Heath is kind of following in that same footprint, going on to his third team in three years. And this one strikes me as odd because Arizona State, a big basketball program with a rich history. Now, to be fair, they struggled again. They only went um, in, in AC, uh, sorry, Pac-10 play. They went Pac-12 play, sorry, 10, 10 and 10 and 14 and 17 on the on the season. So kind of understand a little bit of it. He seems like he's chasing it to find a winning team. So he's one um, that didn't find the right fit, but it seems like he's going to be successful no matter where he goes. So uh, Jay Heath will obviously try to find a new spot. And from there, uh, his other partner in crime, C.J. Felder, a forward who transferred to the Florida Gators, he... Uh, his season didn't go as well as Heath. Now, his his minutes were cut in half from what he had at BC. You know, he had 25 minutes per game at BC. He's down at 12 with the Gators. And then he was averaging 3.5 points per game, 2.3 rebounds per game. You know, not really all that effective all that last year. Now, his last game against Kentucky, he played one minute. Uh, he had 12 points was his season high against Alabama earlier in the year. And, you know, he really wasn't he, – he's much more of an end-of-the-bench depth player. Um, of any of the players that I thought – between him and him and Heath, I thought I thought Felder would be a better fit for the transfer portal, especially with their coach leaving. He just seemed like he was much um, – seemed like a better fit for him to get, get out of there. But I guess if you're going to play with an SEC team and uh, he's got a good new coach there that maybe he'll say. But, again – the transfer portal is going to be crazy for the next couple of days because by May 1st, you need to declare by May 1st if you want to be eligible for next year. So all these players that are kind of hanging around, you might see Felder enter. That's why Heath probably joined Drayton right now. So that's two of the players that entered. Kamari Williams, who I never thought would have much of a role doing much of anything, um, actually found a better role for himself with the Miami of Ohio Redhawks, averaging six points a game, three and a half rebounds, and shooting forty six percent, forty four percent, excuse me, from the field. He's his minutes per game averaged about nineteen, so he was one of the first guys off the bench. Um, good free throw shooter, good outside shooter, so good for him. Kamari Williams, who I always watch and go, man, that kid needs to eat a burger, um, has found a good role in the Mac. So that's that's a, that's a positive right there. Probably the biggest success story was Rich Kelly, who I watch what J um, Earl Grant does with his defense and said, oh, man, Rich Kelly never would have fit with the team. But, I mean, wouldn't you love to have seen him come off the bench to give you a little bit of three-point shooting? Um, he had a great season with UMass. Now, he shot 12.5 points per game, two rebounds, and three and a half assists. And he, he was a starter playing 31 minutes a game, um, you know, for a bad UMass team, he had a good, really, really good season. So uh, Rich Kelly was a definite success story, and he did the right thing. I mean, 
he would have definitely not have seen the court. I mean, if you looked at BC's front court between the the um, Blankford brothers and Zachary, you might have seen Kelly in a little bit to start the season off, but he made the right move. He was he was not going to fit with the system that they're doing here. He's not a physical guard, and you know he found a good spot and had some success. So that's good. Just a little bonus. Someone had asked about um, some of the older players. Julian Rishwain, I think, is a player you're going to want to watch next year. He plays for San Francisco. Now, their head coach uh, just left to go to uh, the – I think he's the one that went to Florida – and Rishwain had some really big games near the end of the season. He scored 20 points against Gonzaga um, in the um, WAC uh, first round. So, you know, he only averaged seven and a half points per game, which was down from last year. But, I mean, in, in his last couple of games, he had 13 points, 18 points, 20 points. So he's a, he's a player I could see, you know, with his last season having a big year. So those are where BC's transfer guys are going. And just as a little nugget about transferring, uh, keep your eyes open for Brevin Galloway, who announced his final two as South Carolina and Clemson. Now, those are two schools that are right in his backyard. And we all remember his game against Clemson. That was a big emotional game for him. That's a perfect opportunity for Galloway to get back home. I mean, he started at the College of Charleston, but now he would he's going to hopefully get a chance to play at a, one of the bigger programs at his home. So uh, that's good for him. And, and I, it seems like he's doing well health-wise because his uh, they showed videos of him at uh, practicing at the power gym, and he was dunking, and he said it's the first time he's dunked since 2020. So uh, we'll see where Galloway heads in just a moment. In our final segment, we'll get into all the news items from Monday, which includes a basketball player from the women's team finding a new home and some more Jerry York replacement rumors from a well-connected BC blogger. But BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and the NFL draft. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Head on over to BetOnline, where the game starts. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. So looking at some news from uh, Monday, it was actually late Sunday night that Boston College forward Cam Schwartz, or guard, excuse me, Cam Schwartz, their leading scorer, entered the transfer portal and committed to Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech was a good basketball team last year, and this is a big loss for BC because Schwartz was a good high-volume scorer for the Eagles, uh, averaging about 16 points a game. She had some big buckets in some of those big moments. Um, I'm not sure why she's sta- not staying with BC. I, I I couldn't even fathom a guess of why she's leaving. The big thing that I noticed, though, is she's an Atlanta girl. She's from Atlanta, so she's going back home. I mean, that could be a reason why you'd want to commit. I mean, she's been in college for four or five years now. You know, wouldn't you want to play at a home t- home court for a little bit and have a little fun playing in front of your family and friends? I, I mean, I can understand, especially if you get an extra year of eligibility. So this is, this is another series of losses for BC women's basketball, who already lost Marnell Garad and Clara Ford and Jalen Batts this offseason. Now, I've kind of written off a lot of these transfer portal newses as uh, either due to COVID pushing some of the older players out, 
or because uh, there there's other reasons. I mean, a lot of players are just moving around. I think this is just kind of the game right now. I mean, the, the way all sports are looking. I mean, look at what basketball is right now, the men's side. There's so many teams that are losing four, five, six players out of a 13-player um, you know, roster to the transfer portal. And women's basketball is not immune to this. And so these players are getting extra years because of COVID. They're thinking of other places that they might want to play, and they're going to go take a take a chance at it. Now, I, I don't think any of these players right now are huge losses. Cam Schwartz was a good player, but is she a deal breaker for BC? I don't think so. She she was good at times. She also struggled at times too. I mean, there's some games where she you know she would be lights out, and there's other games where she kind of struggled at times. So. You know, those players are, are not that hard to find, to find players that can volume score from the outside. So um, it's it's a blow. I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat this, but uh, it's a good fit for Georgia Tech. And BC's women's team has got a little bit of room to go to grow here because they're uh, they're, they're falling a little bit further behind. And ho- you got to hope that some of these freshmen, especially Allie Carmen, this thing you're going to keep going back to. She's a six, three freshman, uh, four star center from uh, New Jersey. Uh, that could really be a big difference maker for BC next year. So that's going to, she's going to be a, a big one to watch for, for the Eagles next season. And in the, that is really darn cool moment was um, Sean Marshall, who we've had on this podcast. You have to go back to like April or May last year, I April, March or April last year. I had him on the show and he posted a picture of himself with Prince Aligby, who is a four-star forward that's committed to Boston college and he tweeted out with it, worked out Prince Buckets last night, that's his Twitter handle, who's part of the incredible incoming freshman class for BC men's basketball. Love the direction BC is going with Earl Grant. Culture is shifting. Prince will be a stud. Love how he worked. Hashtag go BC. Now, if you're a Boston College fan, you see Sean Marshall tweet something like that, that's going to warm your heart because how many times during the Jim Christian era did you see you know, Craig Smith, Jared Dudley, Sean Marshall, Tyrese. I don't know if Tyrese Rice was one, but a lot of them were just kind of just bummed about the the future of the program. They were always like, man, this stinks. This is tough. What? You know, ugh. you know, a lot of negative, not negativity, just resigned to like what's going on. This is one of the first tweets I've seen other than at during game time, like in the offseason where B.C., players are like four BC players are really behind this team. You saw it during the ACC tournament. I think it was Reggie Jackson tweeted out like, Oh, this is great. And you've seen a couple other players, um, Craig Smith saying the same thing. You're starting to see this culture that Earl Grant is setting up really starting to pay dividends. And when you get buy-in from the from the alumni and the former players, that is a great sign that BC basketball is heading in the right direction. So great tweet. Um, just a really good moment for BC basketball. Um, and I've said this all along. Prince Oligby is going to be a special player. I think he, he and along with Donald Hand are going to give BC the scoring punch that they lacked last year and really push them forward. And it may not happen right away, but watch out for them in the future. Now, on tomorrow's show, as I said, Recruiting Wednesday is going to become Recruiting Thursday, but we got some NFL draft talk we're going to have to get into, and we'll get into all of that on tomorrow's show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow us on wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, and follow us, follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC or at LockedOnBC. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all for the positive comments about the Christian Mahogany interview. We had a blast doing it, Mitch and I, and uh, glad that you enjoyed it as well. Take care, everyone.